I just want to talk for a little bit this morning. I want to get into some time of communion and some ministry for each other. Um, I just want to preface this by saying, um, I've said it before, but to the degree that we are anticipating breakthrough in our life, that's the degree we're going to receive it. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. We're going to talk about the resurrection story, um, but I don't want it to be just something familiar that we've done in times past or that you've heard in other places. I'm not trying to be different with it. I just want to encourage us with something. How many in here would say, I need some breakthrough in certain areas of my life? All of us do. Well, I'm just I'm declaring right now you're going to get breakthrough. You're going to get breakthrough. That's good. Yeah, hold your hands out like that and just say it with me. I'm going to get breakthrough. Lord, I tune my ears to hear. I focus my eyes to see what it is you're doing, what it is you're saying. Amen. I want you to hold on to that as we go through this this morning, because if you're just listening to a message this morning, you might miss it. I want you to catch the heart uh, and the spirit that's behind this. And I'm even saying, have been saying since yesterday, all day long, spirit of truth, spirit of truth. Spirit of truth, because I can't, in my own abilities, be able to give you what comes out of the word. So when you hear it, I'm just praying that spirit of truth will land on you and that you'll begin to hear the Lord. So take your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19. I lost my Bible. Yeah, um, got another one that I'm using, but I'm just not as familiar with it. John chapter 19, we're going to begin in verse 31. And we're going to read a little bit here, and then we're going to just see what the Lord does here. John 19, verse 31. Therefore, because it was the preparation day, that the body should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath... For the Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified And his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. Now for us to look at a passage of scripture like this and hear these Old Testament passages being quoted out of Psalm... We know what it is because we see with really clear hindsight, don't we? But we have to keep in mind that when this was written, when John was writing this gospel and he's writing saying, I'm writing these things and I testify, my testimony is true so that you'll know the truth. He did not have New Testament like we have it. All they had was Old Covenant, Old Testament that they could look at to try to discern if everything that was happening with Jesus was real. Is this making sense? That's all they had. There was no New Testament. Even when we talk about rightly dividing the word of truth, study to show yourself approved, understand that New New Testament didn't exist at that point. We build a lot of our theology on what we get out of New Testament, and that's good. That's why we have it. It's God's inspired word. 
But we have to understand that the way they were looking at it, they were getting something so that they could write so that we would have something. That's what John is doing here. What I really want to speak to is the expectation that was going on with these individuals. It says here that he said, For these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones should be broken. That Psalm 34.20 is prophetic insight that was given hundreds of years before. And it's almost as if, if you read these, uh, what are called messianic psalms, where it speaks of the person of Jesus, it's almost like some of these things are just thrown in. You have the context where he's speaking about something, then he'll throw in this, not one of his bones will be broken, then he'll move into something else. I want to suggest to you this morning that a lot of the breakthrough that we're expecting to receive sometimes is hidden in places like not just Old Covenant, but even in New Testament scripture. But the reason why we don't get it is because we're not leaning forward. We're not leaning forward with expectation to understand it. John got it. He got it. At some level, he started to see it and go, oh my gosh, when it says that none of his bones would be broken and his bones weren't broken, that's what that was prophesying about. Is this making sense? But it had a heart attitude of leaning in and expectation. Does anybody in here play, play sports? Or you like to watch sports? Yeah? Yeah, I'm not really good at playing sports. I'm... I love football, but I am not tackling material, so I have to stay away from that. But I love football. But even in football, let's use that, that game for an example. If you're on the front line, whether offense or defense, if you're lining up on the line and you're leaning it all backwards, what's going to happen? You're going to get knocked down, aren't you? But if you're leaning into it, what's going to happen? One of them has the expectation that something's coming, right? And when you're leaning forward, you're prepared. If you're leaning back, you're going to get knocked back. This thing of breakthrough is kind of like this, that if we're just waiting for breakthrough and we're passively sitting there going, oh God, I know you're good and you're going to bring breakthrough, but we're sitting on our heels, life's going to knock you down. But when you're leaning in, it's these subtle things that show up and you're going, there he is. There he is in the middle of it. There he is right there. It's that little phrase right there. Not one of his bones is going to be broken. Yeah, his, pure, his side was pierced. They looked on him who they pierced. Isn't it beautiful? Even the picture of Christ on the cross, that beautiful, wonderful picture of Christ being pierced. And it says that they pierced his side and out of his side comes blood and water. The significance of that is just so profound. Zechariah, the prophet, the old covenant prophet, he speaks of it. Zechariah 13.1 talks about a fountain that will come from the house of David and for Jerusalem that will cleanse its blood and water. And he prophesied of it hundreds of years ago. Why is that so important? Why is that so unique to us? Because listen, church, what changed with the resurrection of Jesus was galactic. Seriously, it's not just this planet. It affected the entire cosmos. And if you don't believe me, look at scripture. It says, God so loved the world. That word world there literally translates cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos. It was such a profound, radical thing that happened on the resurrection that it changed the entire structure. When Adam was created, God says, it's not good that man's alone. I need to create something for him. So he puts him to sleep, and what does he do? Takes a rib. Out of his side, the bride was born for Adam. Church, 
We're the bride of Christ. When his side was pierced and blood and water came out, the bride was made. There's a way for it. All of these things have answers to them. All these old covenant pictures have answers to them. It's so beautiful to look at that and go, because of that work, it changed everything. The veil in the temple, it was torn, right? You guys know the story. Torn from top to bottom. Why top to bottom? So that it could show no man could do that. That was God's work. It didn't start from the bottom and go up. It started from the top and came down. The law kept man from relationship and entering into with God. The law kept it. When the veil was torn, God comes out of the box. Isn't that wonderful? Why is it we still try to put him in a box? The temple was like that. It was a box. It had something that sat inside of it. The most important piece of furniture in all of Judaism. What was it? Ark of the Covenant. The Holy of Holies, the presence of God residing right there between the cherubim on the mercy seat. The veil that that keeps anyone from entering in. Why? Because the economy at that point was one of law. And law will never allow man to enter into relationship with God. It never did work. All the law did was, it, it was a tutor, as Galatians says. It was a tutor to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. And then when he shows up, everything changes. That's why I say the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a galactic event. It changed everything. Let's go on to read here. Turn over to verse 20. Here's where it starts getting really good. Or chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, everybody remembers who she is, right? Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now pay attention to this. When I talk about leaning in, pay attention to what happens here. Mary Magdalene, while it's still dark, she runs to the tomb and she finds that the stone had been taken away. Verse 2. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. That's just like Simon Peter, isn't it? He's like, he's like the bull in the china shop, right? He's the one that just like, all the time. He's like just, he has these galactically wonderful things to say, and then he does something incredibly like, why would you do that? Why would you bust into the tomb? But that's Peter. I can resonate with him. Anybody else? Good, I'm hoping I'm not the only one here. Verse 7. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came into the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet, listen, they did not know the scripture that he must arise again from the dead. Isn't this interesting? These guys who had been with Jesus for so long, and he had even talked about it, and they still didn't get it. Let me submit this to you. When we are expecting breakthrough, there are often times we expect it to come in certain forms in certain ways. We expect fanfare. We expect something big, something huge. When oftentimes it doesn't happen like that. Oftentimes he'll come and he'll hand you your breakthrough in the subtlest of ways. I mean, this, again, we look back on it with 2020 vision. We know about the resurrection. Think about this for a minute. What would your mind be doing had you been walking with the Savior, the creator of the universe, 
had testified to all the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the revelation of the Father himself, only to see him crucified and buried, and then go to the tomb, walk in, what would you think? It's kind of hard to get out of what we know, right? But it's hard to really know what we would really do. Sometimes we look at these disciples and we go, oh my gosh, they were so crazy, they're so dumb. Why did they do that? Those incredibly off things that they would do. Jesus, you want us to call down fire? Walking with the creator of the universe who said he came to show love, to reveal the Father, testify to the truth, right? Didn't come to judge, right? Came to destroy the works of the devil. And then they speak up. You want us to call down fire on these guys over here? Spirit of murder comes on them. And here they are standing with the creator of the universe. They're missing the point now. But the thing is, guys, we can miss it too. Let me finish reading this. Verse 11, but Mary stood outside the tomb. Pay attention to her. Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbi." which is to say teacher. I'm going to pause right here a moment. In the looking for the breakthrough, expecting something, expecting it to look a certain way, I believe Mary caught it first and saw Jesus first for this one reason. She was the first one out. She, had expect, she was expecting, she was looking for it. Peter and John, they were the ones, and the other disciples, they were off still sulking whatever they were doing. She has this expectation, I'm coming to see him. I've got to be close to him. John 10, 3 says, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. How often, how often are we looking for giant breakthrough when what we really need to do is hear him call our name? Because when he spoke her name, all of a sudden the breakthrough happened and she recognized who he was. I find it incredibly interesting Again, this huge shift in the atmosphere, the economy of how things worked. In the old covenant, the ark had the cherubim who faced each other, right? Two angels that faced each other. And what was it called right under that point? The mercy seat. It's where God resided, right? She runs into the tomb. Peter runs into the tomb. What does he see? He sees an angel sitting at the head. And at the foot. Why? Because the mercy seat shifted. All of a sudden it moved from the Ark of the Covenant to this place right here. Who was the first person that the person of Jesus touched when he came into this world? Mary, the virgin. The pure. The favored one. Who was the first person that Jesus touched when he came out of the tomb? Mary, the demon possessed. 
Do you see how much it's changed? What would have been unclean and not holy to touch? Don't let your past dictate your future. It's a point of reference. It's not a place of residence. I've got a past that I don't like, but I don't live there. And I know there is breakthrough. I have more breakthrough coming to me. I want it, but I don't want to be in a place where I'm sitting back on my heels passively. Guys, we do this. We do it as the church. We, we quote scriptures and throw them out there and then sit passively instead of lean in and go, God, where are you? What if we were to start saying things like this? If you'll speak my name, I'll get a revelation. Amen. Because your word says that you can speak my name and I'll know who you are. Come on, this is good. The mercy seat shifted at that point. Why? Why Mary? Why was she leaning in? Why Mary Magdalene, the one that was completely demon-possessed? People say that she was a prostitute, but we don't find anything about that in Scripture. We don't even know how old she is. She could have been really old. We don't know anything about her, but we do know this. She was the one that Andy talked about last week who came in and just poured out lavishly all over him. Broke the alabaster container and pours it out right. It's that kind of expectation, desire that wants to be with him that says, all I know is when I'm around you, everything changes. You hear where I'm going with this? We can take these kinds of things out of scripture and we can hold on to them as historical facts, but there's a big difference between fact and truth. A big difference between fact and truth. You guys understand that, right? Big difference between fact and truth. Not every fact speaks to truth. I've got historical facts in my life that don't speak to truth of who I am. Let me read this again. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus says to her, Mary. It's hard to read. She turned and said to him, Rabbi, which is teacher, Jesus said to her, listen, do not cling to me. Isn't that weird? Can you imagine the picture there? We're not clear on it, but can you imagine Mary coming to this revelation because of her name being spoken and she falls at his feet like she had done before when she was cleaning his feet with her hair and with the perfume. I don't know if she did that or not, but at some level, he, she grabs him. And he says, of all things, don't cling to me. Sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Strange passage of scripture. But he says why. Don't cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. Do you remember what 2 Corinthians 5 has to say about the person of Jesus? It says, even though we knew him after the flesh, yet we know him that way no longer. What is he trying to communicate to Mary even at that moment? Mary, you're holding on to me, but don't hold on to me because the way you're going to relate to me is completely different from this point on. 
Remember what he had spoken of in John 16. I'm sending you parakletos. I'm sending you Holy Spirit. I'm sending you helper. I'm sending the one that will come along and he will guide you into all truth. He'll show you the things that I've, I've spoken. He'll show you things to come. He'll remind you of everything. Mary, don't cling to me because I haven't yet ascended to my father. But when I do ascend to my father, what's going to happen is going to be wonderful. I send you Holy Spirit. And that word, he, Jesus even says, I will send you another. That word another does not mean another of a different kind. It literally means, another means another of the same kind. Another of the same kind. I will send you Holy Spirit. He's just like me. Don't cling to me, Mary. I've got something even better for you. How often do we reduce our expectations down to something we can attain in the physical when he's saying there's something that's going to make your spirit come alive and you're going to recognize things you've never seen before? Let's don't restrict our breakthrough to just things in the natural. Do we need things in the natural? Yes, absolutely. But there's a reason why Colossians says, and I quote it all the time, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Why you died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Who wants life? It's hidden with him. It's hidden with him. How do you attain it? Through the spirit, the spirit of God, knowing the spirit of man speaks these things. The natural man can't receive them. They're foolishness to him. You guys with me, right? Breakthrough doesn't come through striving, but it does have a level of expectation in it. But it's not just the expectation of this is how it's going to look. We've got to be very careful with that. As a matter of fact, we have to be so careful with it that we don't have expectations on this is the way things are supposed to look. Do, do you remember anybody in New Testament when Jesus was on the scene that he had to run into that had those expectations of this is the way it's supposed to look? Pharisees, Sadducees, religious rulers, right? Jesus shows up on the scene. It looks nothing like they want. And they missed it. That's why he says to them, be careful. You search the scriptures. Speaking to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are testify to me. These are those that testify to me, but you're not willing to come to me. Why? I don't look like you think I should look. The breakthrough doesn't look like you think it's going to look. Yeah, you're expecting some kind of release from from everything that's been prophesied in the old covenant, but you're thinking it has something to do in the natural. You're thinking I'm going to overthrow Rome. Why do you think he rode in on a donkey, not a stallion? (laughs) What are you believing in and what are you believing for, church? That's the question. What are you believing in and what are you believing for? Everything shifted so radically with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I know we look at it in our lives, what we've been taught through Sunday school, through church, but I want us, I want our spirit man to come alive and recognize that the entire economy of heaven shifted. What was not available in relationship with the creator of the universe is now perfectly accessible. Everything we need, don't restrict it to just what I need in the natural. So much of what I need is not found just in the natural. You guys know what I'm talking about. There are things that I need. There are things that happened even in the last couple of weeks that financially took a lot of money that were not like things I wanted to spend money on, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? But even this last week, I've had to look at that and go, I am not going to get caught up in that right there. I have got to keep my eyes focused on something greater. Lord, I need some breakthrough financially. You might need breakthrough financially. 
I need some breakthrough financially. It all comes and goes. We need it. But let's don't look at it like some check's going to show up. We'll do our declarations and those things happen. But you hear what I'm saying. I think those things follow faith. It follows faith. That's why I even tell people when we do these declarations, they don't do any good unless there's some action involved in it. But at the same time, I tell people, unless there's faith in it, don't do it. Don't do it. What are you believing for? What kind of breakthrough do you need? I believe God is going to do this this morning. We're going to have a time of communion here in a moment. But, and have the expectation, guys, when we come into communion. You know what you're doing when you're coming in and you're taking this bread in your body? You're saying, when I take this thing right here, this piece of bread, and I take that cup, and I dip this bread in there, and I take that, this is your body, this is your blood for me, and I'm doing it out of full faith, recognizing that you are so worthy that everything that I need is going to be accomplished. Right? Why do you think scripture says, don't do this in an unworthy manner? We think that has to do if we have sin in our life. Trust me, guys. If you avoid communion because you have sin in your life, forget about it. If anybody's ever taught you that, it's wrong. As a matter of fact, if you have sin in your life and it's time for communion, you better run to that thing. Because the, the attitude is completely different. One of them says, I'm not holy, which is like looking at Jesus saying, the entire work that you did, that's great and wonderful, but it still wasn't good enough, so I need to stay back. He ripped the veil. The mercy seat changed. Jesus touches Mary. Why? She needed mercy. I need mercy. When we take communion, it's not about my life being perfect. It's about the attitude of the heart that says, I am giving full worth to this. And I'm saying this is not just some piece of bread and some juice, some wine I'm sticking this into right here. I'm recognizing by this act, because you told me to, that when I do this thing, everything can change. That's why he says as often as you do this. Do you guys know you can do that at Chick-fil-A? You can. You can. The whole communion meal was, was instituted, or the whole communion was instituted over a meal. You can do that. That might be stepping on some religious toes here. You can do that. You can take, you can take it. Go grab your Chick-fil-A sandwich and your Diet Coke, right? That's right. Dip it in your Coke. Yeah, that's a bit of a stretch there. I mean, my let me back that one up. Okay. You hear what I'm saying. You guys catch it, right? I love you guys. If you don't like that, you have to forgive me. So, What are you believing in? All right, everybody stand up here for a minute. We're just going to do a little... We're going to expect a little breakthrough here. And here's, how, here's what I want you to do. I want you to position your whole thinking right now the way you typically think about breakthrough, and I just want you to say, God, I'm throwing that thing on the ground. All I want to hear is you say my name. Can we start with that? Can we just start with this one thing? Lord, I just want to hear your voice say my name. Because when you say my name, all of a sudden revelation comes. Breakthrough comes. The thing I've been longing for, the thing I've been desiring, it stands there right in front of me. And it's been there the whole time. I don't want my expectation of breakthrough to turn you into a gardener. So, spirit of truth, right now, nobody's looking around. You just, you just do what you do best. 
according to your word, Lord. For every person here that's longing for breakthrough, that's crying out for breakthrough in their life. Lord, you're the God of the resurrection. Death doesn't hold you anymore. Anything related to death doesn't hold you anymore. People in here right now who are having issues in your body concerning healing. And you're looking at it and you're thinking about it going, I'm going to take this with me. It's going to be there as long as I live. Recognize something right now that's demonic. Don't channel hell with your thinking. I'm speaking to that right now, and I just say in the name of Jesus, breakthrough. Now, Lord, when I say that, I, don't, I want your spirit of truth to make that go into the ears the way it needs to go in. Spirit of truth, breakthrough. Breakthrough. For those who need financial breakthrough right now, I just say spirit of truth. The one who came along that's another just like the one. Spirit of truth, breakthrough. And recognize we have that same spirit. Remember the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? That was it. That was the power of God. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it lives in you. So my expectation should be for something coming from that direction. Live from the spirit towards earth, not from the earth towards the spirit. Breakthrough. Relational breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. I'm speaking these things out loud, but I know it's going into your hearts and into your souls a little different. Relational breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. Relationships restored. Marriages healed. Souls that have been damaged and that are hurting right now because of what's been done. Breakthrough. I say breakthrough, and I want you to hear the name of Jesus saying your name. Bless you, Lord. Yeah, just take a few minutes with this. Don't get distracted. I just want you to hear. In this atmosphere, especially in this atmosphere, there's nothing more important right now. There's people in here who question your salvation. You don't even know anything about it. You're questioning it. You're wondering what that looks like. Is it true? Am I? Am I not? Close your eyes. Just say, Spirit of truth, speak to me. And I say, Lord, breakthrough. Because you're not willing that anyone should perish. Breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yeah. That's good. Souls healed. Relationships mended. Restored. Breakthrough in finances. Breakthrough in physical healing. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God.